Welcome to the Super Sentai Brothers. This is episode 42 of For Your Eyes O-Ranger, the internet's best and only podcast dedicated to Cherokee Sentai O-Ranger. Every week we watch an episode of the show and we share our thoughts with you, the listener. My name is Matt J and with me as always is my co-host and brother Dave. Dave, how are you doing today? Uh, I'm good, man. Good. Nice. Had a nice shower, drank a beer. Mm. Uh, yeah, well, Beth, uh, did I mention this already? I know I mentioned it to you. I don't know if I mentioned it on the on the show. Beth took the twins out of town for the weekend to go up to New Jersey to spend some time with our future sister-in-law. And so I am uh, alone in the house. You're batching it? Yeah, it's very Terrible weird. phrase, but... <laughs> it is kind of a terrible phrase, yeah. It is very weird. It's... Like, to say, like, oh, I'm really digging it is... I don't want to say that because that makes it sound like, oh, I just can't wait for my wife and kids to leave, which is not the case. Like, it's pleasant in its in its way, but it is also sort of discomforting. Yeah, no, like I it's get it. Ve- it's kind of surreal, I think, is what I'm trying to say. So when we're done with this, I am going to have a wild and crazy night of trying to get a leg up on this housework. Nice. Get some laundry folded. I'm going to get the kitchen clean. It's going to get buck wild in here, man. Well, you, Dave, like Steve Martin before, you are a wild and crazy guy. (laughs) Uh, But Dave, before you do that, uh, and before we talk about episode 42 of Trophy Sentai O-Ranger called The Squadron's Public Execution, uh, we have our five stars to go through, Dave. Of course, as always... Shining in the heavens, there are five stars. Would you like to know what the first star of the week is? Uh, yes, I. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, that's what we do. That is the. Th- Please tell me what it is. I'd be delighted to share it with you, Dave. Um, so I had another work trip uh, this past week. I don't actually travel that much for work, but it usually all happens in late September, early October, because that's when like the conferences I have to go to are. Mm-hmm. So I have been out of town for like most of the last two weeks. Yeah, I uh, we talked about that a little bit because you were down you were down in Nashville, and so where in the world was Matt? The song doesn't work if you don't have enough syllables in your name. Uh, where were you? Uh, I was in the song. Of course, is where in the world is Carmen, Carmen San Diego? In case you are younger than uh, thirty two. Um, yeah, yeah, check it out. Go go down a weird rockapella YouTube like hole. That'll. <laughs> this that'll is suck an amazing thing, Matt. This I think we could check the sheet. I think this is, I think this is the third time rockapella has come up in the five stars. David got strong feelings about rockapella, but uh, this week, anyways, I, I was in beautiful Sandusky, Ohio, um, mm. because the well, you know it's up by the lake. It's small. It's quaint. It's fine. I wouldn't go there for a vacation, but I happened to be going there for work. And actually, I wasn't even really in Sandusky proper because I was staying at the Kalahari like indoor water park and resort slash convention center. And, and Dave, have you? Well, that's a that's a fun tagline. Yeah. So, have you ever been to, or how much do you know about Kalahari? Uh, I know that it is an indoor water park. Yes, I know that there are four Kalaharis, and there's a. Like if they're 
a fifth one is being built. Good, good for them. Um, yeah, but you've never been to one. I have not. I have not. Also, Matt, there was a subtle geography joke in there. Oh, was there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I have to admit, Dave, I missed it. Geography's never been my strongest suit. Well, I'm just gonna no. I'm just gonna. Le- I let you know that it was there. Well, so so listeners, you, if you when wanna, you puzzle it out, you'll laugh. Listeners, if you want to hit that uh, 15 seconds back button a few times, maybe you will catch this very subtle joke. Um. Anyway, so that's how I like my. It's a slow burn kind of slow comedy burn. Um. So, Anyways, no. How was this indoor water park and convention center? Well, the convention center was indoor fine. water park resort and convention center, right? I don't want to leave yes. anything out. Yeah, I believe it's all of those things. Um, it was fine. Um, like the actual, like the hotel, <laughs> <laughs> a, a ringing endorsement from Matt J of the Super Sentai Brothers. Yeah, uh, it was fine. <laughs> Matt J gives it a solid B. Um, no, it was fun. Um, <laughs> it's not that. I think it would have been more fun if I was like if I went with people I knew and was not just there at a convention. Right. If you went to have fun, it would have been more more fun. Right. But no, the, yeah, but, I got you. But the nice thing is, since it was a work thing, like work sent me out there, and you know, where it was paying for my stay. Um, and so I was like, okay, I'm here at this thing. Like I've been working all day, like standing around this convention floor. Like I need to enjoy some of these what good good water slides. Like there's it's it would be silly for me not to. So at seven thirty p.m. because the water park closes at nine, because uh, it's all indoor, right? Like so it doesn't matter what yeah, time the sun they, goes uh-huh. down. Um. So at seven thirty p.m. I just like roll into this, like when I say it's an indoor water park, I mean it's not just a big room with slides. You know, like there are little like fun play areas and there's a like it looks like a pool and then i discovered that it was a wave pool um like you love a wave pool for reasons i don't fully understand they're rat like there's a big wave and it's fun but you wait a long time i don't know i love wave pools don't get me wrong they're just a little funky anyways please continue they are. i'm a little fuzzy matt uh i did go to a larp event this weekend and so i'm still kind of riding that that uh very little sleep train anyways go ahead um it was it was the bad kind of wave pool there are two kinds of wave pool of course there's the one with one giant wave and then there's the one with a bunch of like mid-sized waves this was the one oh, with a bunch it... of mid-sized waves where yeah, it was, nah, of course nah, good the one giant wave is really the best sort of wave pool anyway yeah, absolutely all of this is to say like man water slides like i kind of it has been a very long time since i went on like a water park style water slide because, I mean, how, like, I just don't go to water parks anymore. I used to go when I was a kid. I have not really yeah. had occasion to go in the last number of years. Um, and I remember when I was a kid, I would get sort of nervous about the rides. Like, not super nervous, but, you know, there was a degree of trepidation. Yeah, I think that well, a lot you of... are in, like, an, you are in a, t- and like, I'm sure they're carefully engineered, obviously. Yeah. But you are high up going very quickly in, like, a not enclosed space. Oh, well, I I exclusively was going in the ones that were, like, in tubes. Oh, okay. Well, those, yeah, those are definitely better, but please. And I, I think that a lot of the fear comes down to the fact that, like, you were in a line for a long time, so there's anticipation. But when you mm-hmm. go to an indoor water park on a Thursday at 7 p.m., there are not lines. You just Like, you could just roll. Right, you just roll up, and, like, there's a guy standing there. He's like, I would like to get on this slide. And he's like, yeah, of course, just get on the slide. 
And I just, you know, like, I just hop on the slide and tumble down for a while into a big pool at the bottom. It was great. Uh, one um, of the- you know, for a second, when you said you were going to go to the water park, which I, you know, you're like, ah, I went to the water park. I was thinking, so at 7 p.m. on a Thursday, you were a 34-year-old man alone at a water park. Yeah, I mean, listen, but, there's a way no, in no, which no. that is sad, sure. Yeah, no, listen, it's not. Okay, when I said those words, that was the joke I was going to make, and then I was like, that sounds a little sad, and so I'm not going to make that joke. And the only reason I said it is because it is not, in fact, sad, because here's the deal. you th- The words sound sad because you're like, oh, you're alone at a water park. Water parks aren't a group activity unless you're on like a two-man slide. Yeah. All that happens is you're waiting in line with someone else and then you each go down the slide alone. Right. But if in- there's no line, a companion is not necessary at a water park. Right. It's just you and the slides. Uh, there was one where like you go to – as I was getting in it, though – person was like oh hey by the way real quick before you go down the slide are you a strong swimmer and i was like well that's a weird question but yeah sure and so i hop in and the way this slide works and i i had kind Not of as strong seen it. as i used to be but sure sure um i go to the y occasionally so i i saw this from the outside and i was trying to sort of figure out how it works and apparently what happens is you go down the slide into what is essentially like a toilet, like a like a rainbow colored toilet bowl, and you just like okay. circle, like you just hit this thing at an angle, and you circle around it a few times, and then you just drop out the hole in the middle and fall into a pool that is underneath. How big is the fall? Oh, the fall is only like three, four feet. Oh, okay. That still sounds like a very good water slide, actually. It was extremely good, uh, but as soon as I dropped like three feet into a pool where there was, like, a waterfall on top of me of all the water that was coming out of the slide. I was like, mm-hmm. oh, right, yeah, you would have to be a good swimmer for that. Yeah, you would want to know that ahead of time. <laughs> uh, anyway, so I did a couple of water slides, and then I kind of looked at my watch. I was like, well, I'm not just going to, like, keep doing the same water slides, and I can't go on the Lazy River because it was closed for repairs, which was heartbreaking. Uh, but yeah, it's I, a bummer. Love the Lazy River. I did find that in the water park there was a hot tub bar area. Yeah, like a little swim there up definitely hot tub bar is. that has. We like have a, some friends that go. It's like their favorite part. Um, and let me tell you, when I heard other people say like, "Oh yeah, the hot tub bar, that's really cool," I thought, "Boy, you are lame." I mean, not actually. Um, these are dear friends of mine who I don't think are lame, but like that did not seem like my idea of a cool time. Mm-hmm. And then you, I, you were wrong. And then I got in the hot tub and I ordered like a fruity drink. And I sat there in, like, the warm water drinking the cool drink. And I and I went outside into the outside part of the hot tub and just, like, chilled for a while. And I will tell you what, uh, that is maybe the best time you can have. <laughs> <laughs> just, like, sitting alone outside at night in a hot tub with a cool, like, drink uh, at a place where, like, you otherwise have been sort of, like, stressed and tired all day. Like, not a lot is going to beat that. I think. Uh, Anyway, we have been talking about these water slides and uh, surrounding things for a while. Dave, what is our second star of the week? So our second star of the week, Matt, is like I said, I just got back from this LARP event, which I was, it was a weird coincidence how I was able to go, but basically because of the way my vacation works, I couldn't go with Bath to the Thing where she has the twins. And so, and there also happened to be a LARP event that I could go to. So I went to a LARP event and I went to the whole thing, which I haven't done in ages because. Yeah, really. Small babies. Um, 
it was rad. It was super, super great. Like, A, it was fun to be able to kind of go for the whole uh, arc of the weekend. Mm -hmm. You know, because, like, there's larger plot lines, but there's also stuff that, like, hey, it's kind of starting this weekend and ending this weekend. So it was fun to be there for the whole part of that. And uh, I got to play with our friend Jen. Uh, I got to play with her, and we don't really get to... We're usually on, like, opposite sides. Either, like, one of us is running and the other one is playing or, or vice versa. Mm-hmm. And so we got to, like, go and play together. It was tons and tons of fun. And it was a really cool example for me of all of the things that are best about, uh, like, role-playing games and LARPing and kind of collaborative storytelling in general, which is... Like, we all kind of showed up with our own stuff. You know, like, my character has my stuff, and, like, other people's characters have their own stuff. And then, like, you know, the people who are running the game have a story that they're telling. And you just don't know how those things are going to interact until you all... Until they, like, all get thrown in the mix together... And then you're like, oh, actually, in a way that I would never have thought about, like, your thing kind of lines up with this other thing. And, like, now we have this really cool story moment that is significant for both of us. Um, I'm trying to tell, like, talk about this in a way that does not involve, like, a detailed description of my LARP character. Yeah, okay, so this is this because... is the tricky thing about talking about, like, LARP or anything where you have a character, like, talking about your D&D characters or whatever. Right, like, is anything worse? Because, like, you spent two days having, like, a really fun experience that was, like, immersive and cool and, like, you were just living in it for two days. But, like, other people weren't there and they don't know the backstory of your character. And it's just, right. it's so hard to make someone care. Like, you can make them care about, like, the general, yes, I did this thing and have fun. But trying to get someone to the point where they are interested in, like, actually what you did is, that requires a level of storytelling that I cannot do. Yeah, like, dude, dude, I, nobody wants to hear the 11-year backstory of this character. <laughs> Have you really it's been playing that not, character for 11 years? Uh, actually, slightly longer than that. Good grief. Yeah, I think this is my 13th? Is that right? Yeah, I think this is the 13th year I've been playing. And I've been I've spent the whole time doing one character. Um, but yeah, like there's, it, was, awesome. it was totally... It, it's, it's actually... Dude, uh, I'm not going to do it on air, but... But my LARP character is very cool and fun. Uh, I mean, as cool as a LARP character, I think that's the best way to say it. To say he's very cool, this is in the context of LARP. None of it is that cool. But I do have a blast playing him. And that is cool because it's cool to enjoy the things that you enjoy. That is 100% true. Crush it, 2018. Uh, Matt, what is our third Star of the Week? Dave, our third Star of the Week is a book that was written, I think, just for me. And I got it, and I'm very happy about it. Uh, It is called How to Invent Everything, A Survival Guide for the Stranded Time Traveler. Oh, well, well, yeah. I mean, that would appeal to both your well-documented love of inventing and time travel? No, Dave. the, The thing that is very specific is that it really deals well with my long-seated uh, fear 
of being stranded in the past due to uncontrollable time travel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I think everybody has to come to grips with that fear at some point in their life. Hey, listen, uh, there we. Have... I'm not lying. That was. Oh, yeah. I was. I'm not joking about that. Uh, when we were growing up, we had. A... I know this is a comedy podcast, <laughs> but that's a very serious. You just have to deal with that. We had a collection of uh, sci-fi short stories uh, growing up, and one of the stories was called "The Man Who Came Early," and it was yeah, about. And it is. It was it about, about ex- that very specific thing. <laughs> yeah, like this guy who's like an American soldier stationed in Norway gets like zapped with lightning and sent back to Viking times. And it's just him trying to get by with his modern skills that don't apply to anything in the past. And when you read that, like, uh, when you read that story a hundred times when you were in of a formative age, like, that thought really sticks in your head. Um, and also, I have in the past thought, man... What if there was a terrible catastrophe worldwide and the only like knowledge in the world that remained were the books that I personally owned? I should make sure that I buy the like enough stuff that we could approximate a recreation of Western civilization. Oh, yeah, I think everybody considers those parameters when they're building a personal library. Uh, I, don't, it, I don't know if you're joking, Dave. Um, and I, I feel like I'm, a little I 100% am not, actually. Uh, anyway, so this book is like. It's written by Ryan North, the guy who does dinosaur comics. I mean, he right, also right, does right. a bunch of like uh, Marvel comics now, uh, and is very funny. So it is a very funny book that addresses both like a weird thought I have a lot and a like totally irrational phobia that I've had for years. So mm, I am yeah, very yeah. glad to have it. Uh, no, that sounds like a very cool book, and I would like to buy a copy of it. I, I'm sure you can. I'm sure it will. I, I get it from Kickstarter, but I'm sure it will be available from major retailers coming soon. Uh, Dave, we, I got another star for you. Would you like to hear it? It's the fourth one. I sure would. This is a short one, um, which is good because we talked about water slides a lot. This is actually something else that I did while at Kalahari, which was sit around the TV and watch hotel cable. Um, and I, I have an update for you on the Forged in Fire cinematic universe. I have now seen an episode of Forged in Fire, Knife or Death. Nice. How did it go? Okay, so here's the great thing about Fortune Fire, Knife or Death, hosted by Bill Goldberg, um, uh-huh. is that the way that you become a contestant on Forged and Fire, Knife or Death, is that you win the regular Forged and Fire show, right? So, like, you have made a great sword, and not, I mean, maybe no, you made sorry, a great sword. I did not, you know, you may have mentioned that, but I... I did not remember it until just this moment, and that's fantastic. I, I don't think I mentioned it last week because I'm not sure that I knew it because I had only seen the oh, commercials Oh, okay. For it. Well, that's even – okay, then sure. Uh, that's incredible, and I did not know it, and I'm very, very glad that I do now. Okay, so here's what is so great about that. Like, they don't bring the sword that they won with, right? Like, they make a sword specifically for these series of challenges. Okay, and so different people have different yeah, swords. Yeah, you got different sword parameters. You'd yeah. Definitely. Like, like some people roll in, they've made like a short chopping machete thing. Some people come in with like a big like like uh, like uh, slashing like saber sort of thing. Um, but, you know, everyone comes in with a weapon that they think will do well in the challenges insofar as they understand what the challenges are going to be. And got then it. they have to but go But there's th- always a surprise challenge. <laughs> I mean, maybe there is. I don't know. I don't know how much explanation they get as to like what the challenges are before they show up so they go through and as i was saying last week they have to do a series of challenges where like they you know there's like a row of pineapples and they have to like in one swipe cut all of the how many pineapples right Uh and if they miss any of the pineapples it's a penalty and then later they've got to like you know eat the pineapples (laughs) 
all all six pineapples eat them all no um, you would you would i you were your mouth would bleed that you can't eat that much pineapple yeah you can try lord knows i've tried um but there's bits like okay we're gonna attach a like a fish Wait, to Matt, a rope sorry, and sorry, we're gonna just swing real it to you what's up that no that is just real quickly matt i'm sorry i definitely want to hear about this very good knife show I just don't want to gloss over the fact that you just claimed that you at one point attempted to eat six pineapples. <laughs> okay, that's an exaggeration. I did attempt to eat one pineapple. I mean, it wasn't like an attempt so that's much as... still a lot. Like, I really like pineapple, and I cut a pineapple up, and I put it all in a bowl, and I just ate it until I couldn't eat pineapple anymore. <laughs> Anyways, um, well, how, wait, just how much did you get through? I mean, it was a, it was a pretty good percentage of the pretty pineapple. Pretty substantial amount of pineapple. Yeah. Okay. Uh, anyway, so please tell me. So there's... So yeah. So like, you got to do... Cha- okay, yeah. Yeah, they're like, okay, we're going to like attach this fish to a rope and we're going to swing it at you and you got to cut the fish in half and if you don't cut it all the way in half, you fail. A fish? Oh, there's, okay. there's, there's a chicken, a fish, and then a rack of ribs. Um... Anyway, what's great about this is that since the contestants are just people who won the original Forged and Fire game or show, uh-huh. like those people aren't like they're knife makers, but they are not knife users say, necessarily. I feel like this should be a team competition where you have like one guy who makes it and another guy who uses it because those are very, very different skill sets. Yeah. So one guy rolls in and he's got to chop through this like huge block of ice to get to. This like tube of colored water inside to break that open, and he's okay. just hacking away at this ice. But you know, he's like a middle-aged guy who's not in great shape. And about halfway through, he has to like stop and catch his breath because he's about to like oh. pass out. Oh, jeez, man, that's not cool. And then there's another bit where they're just like rolling foam balls down a ramp to them, and they have to try to cut them in half like as they roll by. But, like, these people are not precision knife users, so they're just swigging away at these <laughs> things. Swigging just, wildly. Just missing every single one of them. It's, it's very good. Because sometimes they manage to do the thing very well, and the knives that they have made and brought in are very impressive. Yeah. But, like, it's just sitting there watching Bill Goldberg talk about how bad everyone is at this thing, <laughs> when clearly that is not their main job. They're just right. here for, like, a TV show thing. And they're all wearing, like, <laughs> special, like, knife armor to stop themselves from accidentally hurting themselves. <laughs> See, this is an illustration. This is a real-life illustration of why in role-playing games there's, like, level level restrictions on some equipment. It's like, you're just not good enough. You don't need this. That, that's like a level 50 sword, and you're like a level 1 fighter. You can't... Right, you're a level 1 fighter, but you're like a level 12, like, bladesmith. Right, you're a very, so like, very you good made a great sword. You just have right. no idea what but to do base, with it. Yeah, your base attack bonus is nothing. Bladesmiths don't get that. Yeah. Anyway, very good show. Do recommend. Uh, anyway, so Matt, what is our fifth star of the week? Dave, fifth star of the week is a sort of a follow-up on a conversation we'd been having earlier. Um, about the names of the uh, Baranoia Empire like leaders. Okay. And remember how you had said that uh, Princess, now Empress Multiwa, has a name that was like sort of a dog pun, but we couldn't remember what it was? Yeah. Well, yeah, because she's with Prince Bulldog, and he's obviously a, a bulldog. Yeah. So there, uh, one of our uh, Twitter followers, um, Harker, who's at Ahoy, I'm Harker, hey, wrote in, hi, Harker. and he was like, hey, um, 
like this is like the list of what the things are. So it's not just those two. Apparently, Bacchus Wrath and Hysteria are also like kind of sideways, like slant rhyme dog puns. Where Bacchus Wrath is what? Bacchus Wrath is like uh, a dashend. Uh, Hysteria is a terrier. Bulldoned is a bulldog, and Multiwa is a Maltese. Which I I really love because it kind of highlights something that is so. It's such a thing in Sentai where it's like, oh yeah, um, we the main thing about these people is that they're evil robots from space, and they've come to Earth to take it over, and they've got a whole machine empire, etc. Also, yeah. a secondary like grace note on that is that they are kind of dog themed. If you like, look at them sideways. It's just in a it's way that so is totally irre- wild. In a way that is totally irrelevant to their characters and never discussed. Yeah, it's just like it's nothing. I did when we started talking about this. I looked up Empress Hysteria, and apparently, because she doesn't look like a dog, at not all. even like a little. Bulldo- Prince Bulldog. Kind of looked like a, a dog. Yeah. Right? Although now that he's Kaiser Bulldog, he absolutely does not. He does not at all. And Princess Moldua does not at all. And neither did Emperor Bacchus Rav. Okay, so here is the only... Because they never give us the backstory. Here's my headcanon on this, Matt. Emperor Bacchus Rav. They say he was like, right? He's like a robot servant that from 600 million years ago that escaped and like, you know, now is the emperor of the Baranoia Empire. Mm-hmm. They never say what his like, sir, like what his what he did, right? Like they never say what his purpose is. Like you know, was he like a? Oh yeah. What kind of bot was he? Um. So so having clearly demonstrated that Emperor Bacchus Wrath could like detach his AI and do weird stuff with his own body. New hand cannon. Bacchus Wrath started out his existence as like, like a robo dog. He was a robo dog, like a art of you know, like a like a puppy pal. Okay, he was a, one of those then, Sony things. The yeah, I was trying real hard to remember the name, and so I just went with puppy pal. I got nothing. I, I mean, puppy pal works. Called. Yeah, so he was a robo puppy pal, and it was awful. And so he escaped, and now he's back to destroy earth uh it is called the ibo a-i-b-o ah cool commercial for that defunct (laughs) toy uh yeah so that's that's what i'm going with is that's how bacchus wrath started and now he's back to destroy earth 600 million years later now here here we have to confront something dave Mm mm-hmm is Bacchus Wrath a good boy, as all dogs are? Or, having, like, moved on from his doggy roots, has he abandoned his good boy status? Yeah, I was going to say, I think that when you... Yeah, when you create a star-spanning empire bent on domination, and also you've abandoned your robo-dog body, that I think you're out. You're out of the... Like, you don't have enough check marks in the dog box anymore. Right. Now you've got a lot of check marks in, like, the evil space robot emperor box. That kind of tips the balance on on that one. All right. Well, I'm glad we've solved that puzzle. Uh, Dave, now having done that, we are going to take a break. We are going to watch episode 42 of Cherokee Sentai O-Ranger, The Squadron's Public Execution. 
Uh, it was written by Hirohisa Soda. You can watch it on the DVDs or it's streaming on ShoutFactory.tv. Uh, this is a good episode and you should watch it. We will be right back. Okay, welcome back. We just watched episode 42 of Turkey Senteo Ranger. Maybe you did too. Now it's time to talk about it. Dave, let us discuss this very good TV show. Dude, this episode is buck wild. Um, <laughs> there's a lot of stuff that comes out of complete just... left field in this one. Yeah, <laughs> okay. So, the episode starts uh, at night. It's a car driving through the misty woods at night. And there is... Uh, they see a a basket, and they hear, and it's hanging in a tree. It's it's not like up in the branches of the tree. It is suspended from the tree by a rope. It's just like yeah. hanging in the middle of this misty forest. Yeah, and there it is. There's a baby crying sound. Which okay, listen, that's a very difficult position to be in. I think as as a person encountering that. Because if there's a basket in a tree and you hear a crying baby, you're like you're like eighty twenty on on curse on being cursed in that situation. Right. It is a curse or a trap of some sort, almost assuredly. Yeah. But but like there is a very small, probably not even eighty twenty, but there is a very small possibility that it is actually a baby. Yeah. And you can't leave babies in a tree. That's very unsafe for them. It's not where babies go. Yeah, so... I mean, I'm not a parent, but, you know. Right. I, well, you're a very good uncle. I think you've managed to put that one together. Yeah. Um, so that's really... That's a real puzzler of a situation. Um, but not for the Rangers. Yeah, so the... They knew exactly what to do. The O-Rangers... Although they did actually... They lost the dice roll on that one. It definitely is a curse slash trap. Yeah, so they roll up. They are just in this forest. They find the yeah. baby no, no, basket. No. Oh, no. Matt, sorry. Maybe you maybe you were like looking down at your notes or something. They did give us... Okay. Yeah, they, they have received I'm... some mysterious information. Right. But listen... I, I want to say, O-Ranger has not been my, my favorite season that we've watched. I've dug it, but it's no Jetman. Like, let's be real. Right. But what they have done and stood, I think, head and shoulders above every single other season that we've watched is giving us those, those five-second, like, not even lines, like those little throwaway lines that explain why in the world are you in the woods looking for a baby in a basket in the middle of the night. They're like, good thing we came out to investigate that weird tip that someone sent us. That's all I need. Yeah. That's it. Now we understand why the heck you're out there. Um, so as they are running over this basket, we see kind of hidden in the shadows, there's a Barra soldier with a video camera. Is it a Barra soldier? I thought it was Achen Kocha. No, no, man, it's not Achin Kocha. You know how I know it's not Achin Kocha? Because they're back in the TV control van. Oh, that's right. They're broadcast yeah, Winnebago. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, because they are recording and broadcasting this for, I don't know, man, Baranoia TV for BTV? Well, they, they do say that it will be. this will make for a great space broadcast. Um, yeah, actually, I think it would be Baranoia Energy. I think it's BET. It's Baranoia Energy. Okay, I think that's taken. But um, they're also broadcasting it on Earth. 
So like the same way that they always broadcast their threats, they are broadcasting this because they want to show what's going to happen to the O-Rangers, which is not yes. great for the O-Rangers. Because yeah. in this baby basket is a baby doll, which is a nice note, but completely unnecessary. Um, yeah. And also there is a bomb, like a time bomb. There, There is ticking. Goro tells everyone to get back. Uh, they get kind of caught in the bomb blast, and then they are attacked. Yeah. So... The, the and it's not just like it's not like Baranoia soldiers show up. Uh, Boldo just goes to ten immediately. Yep. It's him and Princess Empress. Sorry, uh, Kaiser Boldo and Empress Multiwa. They do not send Baranoia soldiers. Like they are just there. And it's actually kind like it's pretty much game over from the get go. Right between the two of them, uh, the Rangers do not actually put up pretty much any fight at all. Right, well, because they were ambushed quickly enough that they have not had a chance to transform into their O-Ranger costumes. So, like, they're just going at it, like, you know, in their regular human forms, which are good, but not as good. Yeah. Now, for some Um, reason, and this is weird, because we don't see her often, but Doran is there. Remember Doran? Like, the little girl from 600 million years in the past who came forward with Ricky, who we see, like, once every six episodes? Yeah, she's just in the woods. Yeah. But, like, she didn't get out of the... She doesn't appear to have, like, already be there with the Rangers. She just kind of seems like she's there. Yeah. Okay, the only thing I can think... But Ricky isn't there, which makes no sense, because that dude, like, he's always there. The only thing I can think of is that Doran was like, I love nature, and I need to get me some nighttime nature because it's like all different animals. And Ricky says, well, let's not do that. And then she waits till he goes to sleep or something, and then she goes out and gets that nighttime nature. Okay, take it in, in the, the night exact air. same place. <laughs> yeah, in the exact same place where... All of this other thing is happening. Hey, listen, Dave. They already explained why the O-Rangers are there. They can't also give us an explanation as to why Doran is there. It's just That's it would be too, too much. much. Is that like whatever she was there for? It's not this, and this is a very concerning situation. And she is a little girl, so she's hiding in the woods, but doesn't actually super work out for her. Let this be a lesson to you: don't hide in the woods at night next to a monster fight. Yeah, well, because you know what's around monster fights? More monsters. monsters. Yeah, monsters are there. So we see this week's monster, and it is Barra Hunter. And Barra Hunter Let me tell rules. you how into Barra Hunter I am. Yeah, this guy is awesome. He's like, uh, like he's like a cyber ninja. Yeah, we we look, but there's kind of something else there. We um, looked up the um like the concept art for him, and he kind of looks like a cross between Cyber Ninja from Metal Gear Solid with kind of like a pseudo Evangelion like tone to him yes. then translated yes, into a Sentai like monster. Yeah, um he's very very cool. We are very into Barra Hunter. So he kind of like he like does like a jumpy. He has like some some like invisibility powers or something maybe, but he's also very agile. He like j- leaps down from this tree. Yeah, he, and he's, he's got like, like a the forearm predator. knife. Yeah, he's got like a crazy forearm knife, and he like gets up on her, and he's like, "If you scream, like I'll kill you" or something like that. Um, and then he sort of pushes her to the side, and he bends over, and he's got like a 
a can like it's like an energy blaster but like on his back but it is of sufficient size that he has to like kind of bend over and become like a firing platform for this thing yeah and so he zaps the rangers but good um yeah and like that is the end of this fight yeah, we get a cool moment where we see the chief and he is getting like readouts on the rangers and I just and they're like flashing and then they all kind of go to like you know incommunicado or or whatever. But I do really like the idea that while the fights are happening, the chief is back in the base getting like live telemetry readouts on like everything that's going on with the rangers and their like status. I think that was a cool little touch. Yeah. Um, now, as the Rangers are captured, like, in the course of this explosion, all of them drop their uh, power bracers. And they're all yeah, just, like, in not, a heap. There's, like, a... Which is, uh, you know, explosions not known for neatly collecting things in a heap. Hey, yeah, whatever. whatever. Uh, anyway, Doran finds them and sort of, like, rescues them. The the power bracers, not the O-Rangers. They are the lost Rangers, and no, screwed. They are very gone. So, we, it, we flip to the next morning. We are in a quarry, and the rangers are chained up, like, with their hands above their heads, kind of medieval style. Mm -hmm. Well, not all of them are. Yeah. So, somehow, they just say, it's, it's again, it's Empress Multiwa and Kaiser Boldout, and they say, it's ready for a show of cruelty. We're going to have a public execution as soon as we find O-Red. And then, it, then you kind of see... And Goro's not there. Yeah, which is strange. But, like, he got because, blown up yeah, with everybody like, else. He was like, with them all. I don't know. He's very strong and very resourceful. Goro just got away somehow. Yeah, so Goro gets away, um, and they're like, we kind of want to do the whole set all at once. So right, because then what are you going to do? You're going to do it, like, kill all four of them and then have, like, a follow-up execution with just the yeah, one guy? Yeah, that's just lazy television. Yeah. So... They're like, listen, we're going to go get Goro. Um, you guys chill here, and then we'll be back, and we'll kill you all. So that's the plan. Yeah, so Chief sees this uh, broadcast from the headquarters, and as he does, uh, Doran walks in and says, like, oh my gosh, Chief, I'm so sorry. She doesn't call him Chief. She's He's yeah. not her Chief. Um, she says, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. Like... He told me not to cry out, and I didn't, and I could have warned them, and instead they all got captured, and she's crying. And the chief is like, and dude, like, this is not like, on you. Like, yeah, even a little okay. bit. We are, a, you know, we, you're a very small child. It's, it's fine. And also, um, and Goro so, is still out there. And, like, yeah. he is free, oh, and right, I'm he sure does. he's, he's going like, to be doing his best. Yeah, Goro, Goro will save the day. So, the next thing we see is Oro, Oro, O-Red... Um, and that was kind of a portmanteau there. A poor man's toe. Hey, uh, so we see Goro and he and Barra Hunter are playing a game. It's a bad game. I mean, it's a bad it's, game for Goro. It's a danger. It's, it's maybe the most dangerous game. So. Yeah, Goro is being hunted by Barra Hunter. I mean, yeah. I guess that makes sense. And yeah, Barra Hunter, as I sort of briefly alluded to earlier, has, like, predator stuff. Like, he can see, like, heat signatures of people hiding in the tall grass. And so Goro keeps trying to hide, but he can't because, 
like Barra Hunter is specifically designed to track him down. They're in yeah. this cool like river bed with like short waterfalls and like little islands in the middle of the river with tall grass on either side. It's a great place to stage this kind of thing. It, it, yeah, so like they're fighting up on top of this little dam and then they both kind of like knock each other over and they you know, they fall into the water and they yeah. kind of get up and they're running around and Barra Hunter's chasing um yeah, it's really, really good. So Goro does manage to get away. Well, kind uh, mo- of. Almost, almost. So he, he gets away, and then we find out that Barra Hunter is, if he wasn't cool enough, also has like a crazy techno attack boomerang. Yes, he does. It's yeah, so which, good. Let me tell you, I, I don't think we've ever discussed this, Matt. I have a real love, I don't know why, of like fantasy attack boomerangs. Mm-hmm. I think maybe I love them because of all the fantasy weapons, they're maybe the most impossible. Sure. Like the idea of a weapon that you could throw that would like hit someone badly enough to hurt them, but then also would return to you somehow. I don't like... It's so insane. I just, it really tickles me. Man, you've um, got to play Breath of the Wild. That is a, or can be at least, a boomerang heavy game. Well, you know, it's a Legend of Zelda game. They're always, they're good about boomerangs. Oh, yeah, but dude, the boomerangs in Breath of the Wild are extremely good. Oh, really? They are, they are oh, melee weapons. Like, what? They're like curved or like angled melee weapons that you use as swords, but you can also throw them. Uh, oh, man, and you, that does sound very, very good. And you also have to pay attention because, like, you throw them and they will come back. But if you don't hit, like, the button to catch it, like, it'll oh, just smack like a, you in the head. Oh, that does sound super cool. Um, so anyway, <laughs> sorry. We can talk about my my love of boomerangs later. So Doran now is running through the woods again. <laughs> Doran, stop it. This went super poorly last time. Uh, but it actually does kind of make sense as to, as to why she's out there. So she's out there, and then, like, a bird chirps at her as it's, like, flying by. And she's like, oh, thanks for telling me about Goro. And then we go back to Goro. Um, so yeah, Goro we- has, at this point, been confronted by Barra Hunter, uh, Kaiser Bulldont, and Empress Multiwa. Has gotten sort of, like, roughed up by the three of them, but has managed to kind of... Not like escape, because they're still on his tail, but like he's not currently being murdered, which is great. Yeah, so he's so, like, they're surrounding him. He's cornered, though. Like, yeah, I, I think they're just sort of waiting for their moment. And as they're about to attack, Doran sort of throws herself across the whole river because he's like on an island or something. And she somehow is in front of She's somehow in front of him. So she's in front of him. And she says, no, you can't, please stop, like, you can't attack him. Um, I don't know why she thinks this will work, because they're here to kill everyone on the planet, so... I mean, Doran has a, a heart of peace, and I guess she just feels like if she, like, expresses that heart enough, other people will go along with it. Yeah, it, uh, it does not work. No, not even a little, but it's yeah, a nice thought. Yeah, these are murder, these are murder robots, yeah, from space. Door, and they don't care about your beautiful heart. Um, but I mean, does... I guess they care about your beautiful heart in the sense that, like, they'd maybe like to separate it from you? I don't know. I don't know. They're but you know who does bad. care about her beautiful heart is Ricky. Ah, uh, uh, yes. So, so, yeah, so Doran is protecting Goro, and then she's about to get shot. So Ricky appears to protect Doran. Yeah. 
So he takes, like, they do kind of like a blast or something, and he does take a hit. Doran is saved, and then Goro, like, without even being henchened or anything, just straight up tackles Bara Hunter. Um, it was a really good, like, it was very quick, but I really dug it as a moment for Goro. Yeah. Because I, it's just, whenever they attack the monster in, like, desperate situations and when they're not or can't be henchened, it's just a really great hero moment. It really you know? is. Like, that was one of um, my favorite moments of Die Ranger, that one episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he just, like, straight up, like, body slam. Well, he doesn't body slam, but he tackles him. And, uh. Yeah. And he says, like, listen, Doran, get. Like, get yourself and Ricky out of here. He's injured. You're vulnerable. Like, I will hold these guys off for you so you can escape. Yeah. So, actually, it is Ricky. Ricky summons uh, King Pyramider, and then they sort of, like, teleport out using King Pyramider's, like, it's t- teleport beam, I guess. Sure, man. Uh, yeah. So, they teleport out, but Ricky collapses as soon as they get in there. Like, he was barely holding on as it is, and now he's out. Right. Uh, Doran, obviously, totally distraught. Yeah, because now she feels like not only has she gotten the O-Rangers captured, she's also gotten Ricky hurt, and they're kind of running out of heroes to keep this whole thing running. Yeah. So she kind of, she sort of shakes herself off, she looks up, and she says, Oh, I know what I have to do. It's the only choice now. And she's she starts running through King Pyramider, and we... We get a sense for kind of the scope of King Pyramider. Yeah, this I really like whenever we see the interior of this thing because she's just yeah. running down like weird floating like walkways in rooms full of like glowing lights and panels that are sort of like abstracted around her and like running up multiple staircases. Like this thing is massive. Yeah, I mean, like it's the size of a pyramid. Like it's very, very large. But I don't know why. Like in my head, well, I think partly because. You see it when it transforms for like battle formation, and it's there's enough empty space in there to get a whole other giant robot. Mm-hmm. So I guess I was assuming that a lot of it was like, and we we don't see a ton of it, obviously, but th- that a lot of it was kind of empty space and machinery, and it but it just turns out that no, there actually is like a whole bunch of like weird, crazy six hundred million year old technology there. Um, so she's, she's running through and when she gets to is like a secret demon snake door. Like it's a secret. She knows where it is, but it's like a big door. It is the forbidden door. It's the forbidden door and it's got a demon snake face on it. Yeah. It's not, that's just gonna, it doesn't doesn't like a label or anything. I'm just sort of trying to to mash up some ideas to let you know what this thing looks like. Yeah, so at this point, Ricky has sort of, like, come to, and he realizes where she must have gone to. So he follows her and says, like, oh my gosh, Doran, please, you cannot open the forbidden door, for behind that lies the forbidden power, which cannot be used, ever. Ever. You're not, you surely, you would not use the forbidden power. So she, so they're at this door, and Ricky is like, no, you can't use, you can never use the forbidden power. And she says, no, we have to. It's our only choice now. Which, let me be real, I'm pretty sure I played, I've played through that storyline at some LARP event or another. Oh, I'm um, sure. Yeah. So she's like, no, we can't use the forbidden power. We have to use the forbidden power. It's all, anyways. So, um, so now we, 
Now we get a little more explanation, though, as to what is going through Doran's head, and also, I think, maybe why she was out in the woods earlier, like, actively looking for Goro. What she says is, you, like, you and the O-Rangers are doing everything. Like, you guys are out there, and you're fighting, and you're, like, risking your lives, and I'm just kind of here. Um... And I just, like, I feel bad. Like, I feel useless. Like, you guys are doing everything. Like, we're all being threatened. Like, I want to do something. I want to help. Right, like, uh, I, also, Doran, I want to fight. Are, yeah, these are, like, giant murder robots. And you are a nine-year-old girl. Yeah. Well, I mean, she's also, she's a nine-year-old girl with, like, you know, special ancient power. Oh, yeah, like, she does have, like, crazy. Yeah, but her magic powers are, like, talking to animals and flowers or something. She doesn't have, like, energy which is, blasts. Which are very good powers. Oh, yeah, like, is. Listen, they're just not fight powers. Right. May we all live a life where talking to animals is a more useful power than energy blasts. Right. That would be great. And actually, that that is is kind of the point of this episode, right? Because she wants to fight. Yeah, that was a really good lead-in. I didn't even mean to do that. And Ricky's like, no, you should never fight. Like, that's what I'm here for. Like, I am here to do the fighting so that you don't have to be, like tainted with like a life of violence yeah and not only should you not fight like it's vitally important to me and the o-rangers that you not fight right like your like your ability to maintain a life of peace is the thing that we are fighting for like you specifically and then like the world sort of in general but you are yeah sort of, like you, you are emblematic kind of, a, of avatar that. Yeah. yeah um and like that it kind of gives us motivation to like really kind of do do everything we can um we go back we go from there it's a very good like they're they're really maintaining the tension on this episode uh fantastically we go from there back to the rangers so they do have goro now and there's some there's some smack talk on both sides right the the Kaiser Bulldog is like, ah, we've got you, and now you're going to be executed. And the Rangers are like, you know, maybe, but get bent still. Yeah, um, they're defiant, Goro has but a great it is moment. not going well for them. <laughs> yeah, Goro does have a great moment where he sort of like, he straightens up a little bit, and he looks at, not the team, but he looks at uh, Kaiser Bulldog, and he's like, stay strong until the end. And they're like... Like, yes, sir. And they all kind of like straighten up and look at Kaiser Bulldog. And there's Barra soldiers lining up with like guns and they're all going to get executed. Also, the Barra soldiers are not holding like space guns. They're just holding machine guns. Yeah. (laughs) It would have been better if they had gotten like energy blaster props. So we go back from there to Ricky and Doran. At this point, Doran is like actively fighting. Like, Ricky is having to hold her, physically hold her back from opening up this forbidden door. And he, he, he like, he's successful. He's much larger than she is. He's pretty successful. And But once he gets on the stairs, she manages to kind of twist free, and she runs over, and she activates the door, which is like you put your hand in its mouth, and then it kind of bites down, and she screams, and then the door opens. Yeah, and as and the door opens, it, like, there, sucks both of them into the room. Oh, and yeah, and then it slams shut behind him. So, like, now they're they're definitely in there, and, you know, they, they got to deal with whatever it is. And what it is, 
is there is like a sword, like a cool looking sword. It's it's super cool looking. They really do. Somebody was very proud of making this, appropriately so. Mm-hmm. And so they like zoom in and they give you a real slow pan shot over this thing. So when it, it's a sword, it's like a European style double edged sword, and the hilt of it is uh, two faces facing the opposite direction, but like one is. Like one is smiling and one is frowning, I think, but not on like a drama mask sort of way. Yeah, it's and, the, and actually, it's I, I don't think it's the hilt. It is like the bottom of the blade as the blade hits the cross guard. Oh yes, yes, yes. Thank you. I'm just mixing up my sword terminology. What kind of nerd am I, right? <laughs> um, haha. So and then the faces kind of extend down, as you say, into the cross guard. Like this yeah. thing looks super rad. <laughs> and so this thing is like the. Like the sword that contains the hidden, the forbidden power, rather, not the hidden power. It was not yeah. very well hidden at all. So it is, and they're, and now at this point, they're both trying to get it. I think Doran is trying to get it because she wants to like activate this forbidden power. And Ricky, as much as he kind of knows that it's a terrible idea, is trying to get it so that Doran can't get it. Yes. Like he's literally trying to fall on this sword. Um, so he, for, for Doran. He kind of manages to get it from her, but in so doing, it, like, dips into, like, this water feature that was built into the pedestal that it was, uh, the sword was sitting on, and the sword then, like, activates. It starts shooting lightning everywhere, and, like, a blue energy, like, visage of the demon snake face from the forbidden, that was on the forbidden door like is hovering over them and it is a wild scene. Yeah. So we go from there back to the bar of soldiers and the bar of soldiers, like they're, they're lining up to execute. And I actually read my notes wrong. This is where they stay strong until the end. And then there's a bunch of kind of tension establishing shots where they're like flashing back and forth between the soldiers who are slowly advancing. I don't know why they're advancing. They have guns. They were only like 15 feet away at the start, but uh, maybe they just really want <laughs> right. really to get in there. The Barney Soldiers are terrible shots. They need to be very close. Uh, and then a holographic demon head, demon snake head, just kind of descends out of nowhere. Yeah. And, and hits, it just kind of like descends into them, and that is enough to, uh, to stop the execution. Yeah. Yeah. Then Doran and Ricky land, and the sword lands next to them. Doran tries to go for it, but Ricky grabs it and is like, no, like, I will do this thing. The life of violence is not for you. He picks up the sword and he activates the forbidden power. Yeah. And uh, turns out they were not kidding around when they, when they decided that this power should be forbidden. Here's what happens. First of all, Ricky becomes like, like a pale white demon boy. Mm-hmm. And then he just starts laying people out. Yeah, the sword uh, is like he... crackling with electricity. So every time he swings it, it's like throwing this this wild lightning around everywhere. And he is just like waving it everywhere. It, it does cut the chain, so now the O-Rangers are free. And it, he is by himself holding off Empress Multiwa, Kaiser Bulldont, and all of the Barra soldiers, and Barra Hunter, who was also there. Yeah, uh, so this forbidden power is, like, they're not, like, it definitely is, is powerful, uh, 
But he is also very clearly not in control yeah. at all. So Chief shows up as everyone is sort of scrambling to get away from Ricky. And Chief is like, oh my gosh, the legends are true. The forbidden power. And he explains that what the forbidden power is, is like it makes you like an unbeatable fighter, but you will never stop fighting. Like, yeah. once you activate that sword and start swinging it, you will just continue to fight until you wear yourself out and die. Yeah. So he says, like, we have to get in there. Like, we've got to stop it. So he's got a briefcase with him. He opens it up. Boom! New chargers. I was hoping that these new, like, we would get a brief, like, I've improved your chargers to channel more Choriki energy. And we would get, like, a Turbo Ranger situation. Not the actual Turbo Rangers with cars, but, like... Like hyper mega, those are all adjectives mega that have been Ranger, used yeah. for rangers. Yeah, like more powerful O rangers. Yes, yeah. uh, we don't. They're just they, he's just repaired the ones they already had. Uh, but so they all henchin and they jump in and try and stop the fight. It's not going very well, as we mentioned. It's Ricky is very very powerful now. Yeah, like Ricky uh, started so like, off pretty strong, and this has just really put him over the top. Yeah, like they're not. Yeah, like they're just not having a whole lot of luck with his like mega lightning. So the ranger, or the, sorry, the chief turns to Doran and he says, "Listen, you need to go pray. Just kind of in general is the idea, because she doesn't like address anyone. Just this is just kind of a, to like I don't know the heart of, of Choriki energy a within the earth to the universe, I guess." Um, and so, so but, she kind of like ducks off to the side. Well, the chief does say that like the prayers of the one, oh, that's per- like right. the prayers of the one person on earth who is like totally removed from violence, like can accomplish anything or it's something like that. But it's keyed into the like the idea is keyed in that she has some sort of special status. She is like the most non-violent. Nonviolent person, I guess. Yeah. So, like, her power comes from her like commitment to peace. Yeah. So she she ducks off to the side, and she kneels down in front of this like small pool of water, and she says, "Please let everything like be cool and peaceful. Like six hundred million years ago, everybody lived in peace." Except our robot slaves, uh, who rebelled and, then and we, have returned and then we to, had to kill us all. Right, like, 600 million years ago, exactly. 600 million years ago in, like, two years, it was a mess on it Earth. Was ve- yeah, it was so bad. So she's like, please let everything go back to the way it was. So she, she like, cries a little bit, and, like, a little sparkle tear, like an animated sparkle tear, pops out of her eye, which is not how tears work. And and falls into the puddle in front of her, and like a flower appears up out of it. Yeah, and this seems to like activate like the peace energy around here or something. Yeah, because... I don't know. Maybe it like activates the bond between Ricky and Doran or, yeah. or something. So we we cut over to Ricky, who is like still fighting, but then as the flower blooms, he sort of has this like loud shout. His face goes back to normal. He throws the sword up into the air, and it sort of becomes blue energy and disappears. And Ricky just passes out. Yeah. They all rush over to Ricky 
like to make sure he's okay, and and he is like he's he's basically fine. Yeah, um, he gets back up and like they all hench like he henchens as well, and now it's like a full fight with like the team and King Ranger, um, and it is super good because like man, we don't get to see Ricky in action enough. It's one thing that kind of bugs me about this season because every time he fights, it's great. Yeah, Ricky is Ricky is a boss, man. Yeah. Uh, and then he gets in a real, real good line. He he yells to Doran, I fight to protect you until the day all fighting ends. And that's a boss thing to say. Hell yeah, man. So, uh, and then, yeah, like we've got a big fight and he does. I got the vague feeling that he's still sort of like working out the last of that like supercharge energy. Uh, that's just my impression. Uh, but they do do a fight. It's actually over fairly quickly. He unleashes King Victory Smash and uh, Flash. Flash or Smash? It's Flash. Flash. Sorry. Well, he does have a King Victory Smash. I'm not crazy, right? Man, he might. He's got a he's got a lot of King stuff. <laughs> so um, they do that fight, and then like the the Empress uh, Multiwa and Kaiser Bolden have kind of removed themselves from this. So like, mm, like maybe we'll. Like maybe we'll dip. Like we'll we'll live to fight another day. Before we go, Acha and Kocha, please make that robot very very large. And they do that. And then there's like a fairly straightforward, um, fairly straightforward giant fight. Yeah, um, it is cool because we get to see more of uh, Barra Hunter. Barra Hunter not only has little like wrist knives, he also has little knives that come out of his feet, and he's, so he's doing like spin kicks with blade feet, and that's very cool. Yeah, man, I, again, I, I mentioned it earlier, I'm real bummed that Barra Hunter is only in this episode. I would definitely watch more with this guy. Yeah, uh, but sadly we can't because they all get together and do the Super Legend beam, and that is it for Barra Hunter. Yeah, that dude's very dead. Um, uh, is there anything else you want to talk about in that fight? Like, they summon no, some swords, just, and then it's over. No, yeah, they summon swords. He's he, very, very dead. Um, Barrow Hunter had, like, a cool grappling hook attack, and that was neat. He did. It didn't, like, it didn't do anything, really, but it was cool. So then then everything is peaceful. Like, it's, like, you know, for the moment, at yeah. least. Uh, Doran and Ricky are at some sort of, like, water, like, man-made pond water thing. Yeah, they're frolicking. Um, yeah. They sit by so the, they're frolicking. They sit by and the, the side of the water. also. And they each hold up their index finger and look at each other and smile. And then they touch each other's fingers together and there's a spark of light. And then a bunch of flowers like grow in this pond, like some like lily pad style flowers. Yeah. And all the O-Rangers are just like, oh, oh, that's cool. (laughs) Yeah. And then Ricky and Doran sort of like look at each other, hop up hold hands and run away laughing because hey in case you forgot they're both very young children yes they have had a rough which, day which like you know obviously yes like i can see physically that they are children like ricky's like a teenager but like yeah obviously you can see that but the show doesn't really treat them as children yeah not in, often in a, in a very in a yeah in like a serious way they don't really treat them as children like ricky's the king ranger like not only is he not just like not only is he a ranger he's like definitely the best one yeah uh and doran is an innocent but they don't often like i know we mentioned it earlier that like the chief is comforting her um but they don't like actively reference the fact that she's a child and it was just like in this moment i was sort of reminded like oh yeah 
they're children who are 600 million years old and spent 600 million years old 600 million years in like weird hyperstasis after their entire civilization was destroyed and now they're back to finish the job welcome to that fight kids yeah and the the o-rangers look at them and i think they are also struck by the same thing that you were that like these are like young innocents and they're like oh right we absolutely need to like wrap this thing up like for the sake of peace and like for these kids particularly but also for everyone like we need to make this thing happen uh but that i think is that is it at the end of this very very good episode yeah but david is not the end of our episode because first, we need to determine where Barra Hunter falls in the creature royale. Oh, man, okay. I am kind of torn about this. Because I really like basically everything about Barra Hunter. Yeah, so like, Barra, the, the pros of Barra Hunter is like he looks very cool. All of his like gimmicks are very cool. He's very effective in this episode. He's kind of like he's sort of like spooky when he's hunting people and he's neat looking when he's fighting. Like all of the aesthetics of Barrow Hunter are very good. The thing that counts against him, as often does in this sort of situation, is that yeah, like, is he's just kind of there. I yeah, literally, like, he has like one line, I think. Yeah, I think his only line is like, hey, don't scream. Yeah. Which, as a line for a monster goes, is a good one. But. Yeah, but it does it does hurt make hurt him in the rankings. Yeah. Uh so he's you know, I don't think he's going to make like top 20. Uh Where where do you think is a good place to start looking at this guy? Well, okay, Matt, I'm kind of torn on this because where I kind of want to start is Bara Boxer. I, okay. He's another monster who I feel like is in the same boat. Like, he's got a very cool look. He's got kind of a neat combat hook that he's like a giant robot boxer. They do put very, very large spikes on his fists, and I like that a lot. Well, sure. Yeah. Anytime you put, boxer is, anytime you put spikes spot- on a boxer's stuff, like, that's always good. Like, in mm-hmm. uh, which kickboxer movie is that in? Where they put, like, the glass in there? You know, uh, that is that the is first Bloodsport. No, that's Bloodsport, I think. Is it? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Man. Could be wrong about that. Anyways, but Bara Boxer is at spot 109, which seems crazy low. But, like, as I'm scrolling up, these monsters are very, very good. Like,. Okay, so Kame Itachi the Sickle Weasel is slot, and he's a great monster. That dude's slot number 51 on this list, because this list is is full of very, very good monsters. It's a top-heavy list. It is a top-heavy list, and even as I'm scrolling down, like, dude, Tofu Hermit. Tofu Hermit, like the drunk tofu seller that, um, the yellow dye ranger. Kazu. Kazu? Kazu. Like the drunk tofu monster that Kazu had to fight? Because he loves tofu so much. That dude's slot number 92. Diamond Dimension, where like Akko flipped out and then Kaori had to buy all the jewels and gold in the entire city. That guy's 94. So is Bara Hunter better than that? I, you know, I don't think so. Yeah, I mean, that's tough. Um, okay. So, okay, so if we, start at, if we start at 109, 
which is where Barra Boxer is. Right. Like, just above him, we've got Azuki Arai, and then Barra Police, Vacu- and then we're up into, like, Vacuum Dimension Tengu, uh, and then we're up into Faucet Dimension Semimaru. Okay. And uh, Mujina the Manga Artist. I would, for me at least, I would say Mujina the Manga Artist is my, is my ceiling on... Barra Hunter. Listen, anybody that can send you to another dimension automatically gets a leg up. Also, it was Kickboxer I just checked. Oh, it was Kickboxer. Okay, thank you very much. Uh, good to know. So, I, yeah, I think Mujin and the Manga Artist is my is my cap on that. Um, I'm kind of looking around. I think I like Barra Hunter more than I like... I like it more than I like Leech Drill. Yeah, but Lich Drill gets real small. Yeah, but there are other monsters that also get real small. Yeah, but do with the other monsters, do they have to fight them inside the chief in like an incredible okay, journey yeah, no. Osmosis Jones sort of deal? That is a very, very good point. Um you know, Oh man, that's a tough one. Bara Hunter is like an Evangelion Predator Cyber Ninja, though. That's true. That's really true, and that's a great that's, point. Yeah, that's a really strong argument in his favor. I, okay, I might go below Leech Drill, but I definitely like him better than Tengu. Okay. There is um, uh, Amanojaku, uh, the perverting monster from uh, Conquer Ranger, and I, oh, I think yes. I like him better than him, too. Okay, so do we want to go would... just below Leech Drill? Which feels low. I feel like we're going to look it... at this later and wonder why we put him so low. But... Well, okay. Like, kind of above that is Majin Robot, Majin Robo Veronica. Mm-hmm. Actually, and then below that is Semimaro. I actually do. I would go higher than that. You want to go above like, Majin Robo Veronica? Maybe not above Majin Robo Veronica, but above Semimaru, I think. Okay, well, let's do that. Let's put him in our new number 100, um, right between Semimaru and the Majin Robo Veronica. Two yes. very good things from Jetman. Um, that were sort of in a similar sense, like looked cool, were part of a great episode, but were not themselves like super important characters. Yeah, I just wrote down the phrase Barra Robo. <laughs> okay, well, Matt, that is going to do it for us. Uh, yes, that is going to do it for another episode of For Your Eyes, O Ranger. Uh, before we finish up here, I'd like to remind you all you can email the show at supersentaibrothers at gmail.com. If you want to get any updates on future episodes or check out the things that we're talking about on Twitter, we are at Super Sentai Bros. If you like the show, and I hope that you do, please remember that shining in the iTunes review section, there are five stars. Please rate, review, subscribe on iTunes uh, or Apple Podcasts or wherever it is that you find the show. Uh, That points more people towards us, which is great. Um, If you would like to listen to any of the other great Retrograde Orbit Radio podcasts, you can find them all at RetrogradeOrbitRadio.com. Once again, we are the Super Sentai Brothers. I'm Matt. I'm Dave. And we'll see you next week for the greatest show on Earth.